0: changed we
1: still keep it together Hey Beverly Hills 90210 fans are you ready to dive deep episode by episode storyline by storyline character by character as we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host
2: Charles <laughs> Rosen. Did I say that? She is foolish thing about the, the the real person. And we go,
3: what? We're getting rid of this guy.
1: Pete Ferrero.
3: I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> looks trust, TV crush TV crushworthy.
1: Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh yeah.
3: Well we <laughs> I that love
2: that. Amazing. That's great. Oh, thank you.
3: <laughs> it's exciting.
4: It makes me feel like, wow, let's go.
2: Why Long not? You
3: know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you. Uh, well up, everybody. Charles, you've I been, 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 been off for a couple for of nothing.
2: weeks. Uh yeah. on away in Hawaii. How was how was that? Um, I'm kind of still there, guys, so bear with me. I made Pete, we cut it really close, didn't get any. Pre-game uh, strategies. So, uh, sorry about that, but uh, no worries. It uh, it was um, you know just underestimated how long it would take to get to Gelson's and back, which, <laughs> which is a sure. Which is a sure sign that you're back, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's the best LA excuse ever.
3: (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a fun episode. I know there's there's a lot of excitement about uh, Kamala joining us here. Uh, Kamala, it's been some time since you were on 90210. How are you doing these days? I'm curious.
4: I'm doing great, actually. This is my first year back in the business. I uh, I took some time off to get the Equal Rights Amendment ratified, uh, really focused on that since 2009. And I'm really proud to say that uh, we achieved the 38th and final state needed on January 27th of 2020. And now we're just fighting uh, Trump and uh, now Now Biden's DOJ in the courts right this very moment and staging a big action outside of the Department of Justice tomorrow at eight in the morning.
3: That's just amazing stuff that you're doing. Well, I
2: think the reason that that it's Kamala, right? Or is it Kamala? Kamala? Kamala. Kamala? No. Why we would get along so well is that I knew all of that. <laughs> that it's, was not new information to me. There you but, go. You're on the like stage, the, on the Department of Justice, but that's not what today's thing. But that's a good, uh, good thing to be doing. No, no question. I do. Before we get too deep, though, I did want to say one thing out that I think I just wanted to establish. So forgive me for just buttoning in here for a second. But um, Karen also was on Aloha Time, so she currently is upstairs watching the episode. I feel okay. like. Uh, like George Burns used to talk about Gracie Allen being up in the thing. She doesn't know what we're doing. But the, um, uh, the fact is, is that she'll come on as soon as she finishes with the fresh take. Oh, that's can't great. You get more fresh than that, actually.
3: I mean, there was another thing that you uh, that you wanted to mention, too, and Jessica Shaw has switched cameras here. <laughs> um, I'm just rolling with the punches. Two
2: sides of your personality were up there for a second. It's true. You know? Gemini. <laughs>
0: yeah. Are you
3: Gemini? No, no. <laughs> that really would have worked well. <laughs> um, no, uh, Chuck, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier to me that um, there someone passed from the spelling company that you wanted to talk about, right?
2: Oh, just a second on the news, moreover. But yeah, Doug, Doug Kramer, you know, when you think of Spelling Entertainment, it was it was uh, Edu, Vincent, Aaron Spelling, and, and uh, Doug Kramer. And Kramer was really interesting, like kind of the Love American style and Love Boat, that kind of frothy thing that Darren Starr does so well. That heads, you know, had to start with him. And the connection to 90210 is that. When he and Aaron had a parting of their business ways, he left for all sorts of reasons. He left the company and his assistant became my assistant on the first season of 902 and and made sure that I knew that when I was talking to Aaron's executive assistant a secretary for years named Renee Kamer, who spelled her name Renate, why, why someone's name is Renee spelled Renate, I'll never know. But it was that was that. And you knew that if you were talking to the, Renee or you were talking to Aaron Spelling. So mind your P's and Q's.
3: <laughs> That's great. And well, and and sadly that he passed away. This this this. He was,
2: yes, he did. He was, yeah. and he was a renowned art collector. He had one of the greatest contemporary art museum uh, collections and supported museums, including the Met in New York, but many others. And uh, yeah, an interesting man. Yeah.
3: All right, uh, and Jessica Shaw is here, who I jokingly said before we came on may have been like uh, a backstory reporter at one point. Yes, would you say yes or or, or a little bit different? Or? And
0: I said, "How dare you, Pete? <laughs> um, I well, I was I right? I was a, a journalist at Entertainment Weekly, and I now um, am at SiriusXM." Where I host a show, but but yes, I guess I never quite went full tabloid. Um, but you know, I mean, sure. I don't know. I, I did interview
2: Shannon Doherty, so there you go.
3: That's very cool that you got to do that. And 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 uh, Ken, oh, was right.
2: that interview that interview was published, right, Jessica? It sure was, that, was. Was that one of the cover ones with her? Was that the what? devil or angel one with her? In the cover? Um,
0: was I? I don't. You know what? I interviewed her a bunch of times. That may have been one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, let's talk about this episode. The backstory, Charles, you just got to watch it today. Um, why don't you set up this set up how this came well, about? Are,
2: yeah, there were a couple of thing forces going going through this. Um, you, uh, you know, basically the the notion of that we were just coming out of our summer episodes, getting back to school. What would back to school be like? And, and, and where would it be and what would it mean? And knowing that Kelly and, and Dylan were together. And so, you know, there's Brenda and there's Kelly and you got, you got all of that being stirred up a little bit. You had me uh, wanting to and then losing the battle of dealing with uh, Brenda and cigarette smoking. Were you a smoker? Did I make you smoke, or, or were you already a smoker? Oh, at that I, point? Was,
4: I was a smoker, yes. At
2: that point, like yeah. everybody else was, yeah. yeah. So I really wanted to deal with that drug of of nicotine and really make it use, and we had a character who was there to do it, A, and B, smoked like a fiend when the camera wasn't rolling. So I'm not asking her to do anything you know, bad, obviously, though, to have even any tobacco products on a set is... Uh, you know, is, is, is not a healthy experience. But again, this was the 90s and, and sure. it wasn't really in the forefront yet. As you saw that scene, when you're, when you're a character, you go out with Brenda and there you are, you're sitting and you're holding a cigarette at at a place of eating. You got you know, today it was like such a, you wouldn't even have that outside most likely, you know, at a, this right, next
0: generation, works. they have no idea what it's like to come home after eating at a restaurant and have to like air out your clothes from cigarettes. Smoke. <laughs> right. Well,
2: I, yes. And cigarettes were, were a dominant part of, of my life as well. You know, I couldn't wait to start smoking cigarettes and be in the car and be catching waves and have my this and be, you know, like the beach boy. And that's, you know, on the west side kind of. You know, suburban gangster or north of a homeboy like Steve, you know, just a different, you know, can cigarettes was part of that image. Sure. At that Absolutely. Point because uh, even though we did know it was unhealthy, as, as you know, but be that as it may. Um, so, um, and it was hard to not smoke during 902 and oh, I had quit, med- I smoked a lot. And I got sick from it when I was about 33. I just gave it up. And I started 902 and 04 years later, and by the end of the time, I'm bringing two shirts to work so Karen wouldn't smell a smoke on me. She hasn't had the greatest snifter in the world anyway. Right. So I could get away with that. You know, that's how I cheated on my wife. It was with with, uh, uh, Jessica's cigarettes. Not Jessica Shaw (laughs) Jones. Jessica Jessica Klein. Klein, yeah. Her merits.
4: Oh, Jessica Klein. I love Jessica Klein. Well, you know, I don't know if you know, Chuck, that um, Ken and I were together for several years, including the period of time that he was writing on uh, Beverly Hills at
2: 90210. Well, I knew you were together as a couple, but obviously – Not having any, like, how long were you together before you met you? How long were you after? (laughs) And I don't have any chronology. I know that at one point you were together. Just for clarity um, for anybody who's
3: watching, you're talking about Ken. Ken, who are you guys talking about? Ken
4: Miller, who is now running that fantastic show, Genius. Okay. Uh, He's a wonderful person, still a dear friend of mine. And, um, yeah, that was one of his first gigs after he left being an executive. Uh, When I met him, he was an executive. He was a development executive at CBS, and then I think at uh, Fox. Um, And then he went into writing with Chris. Chris Brancato was his writing partner.
2: Right, and Chris, and he was, uh, and Chris was who I hired, and Ken came along with the deal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they became a writing team for a while.
4: Yeah, they were a team. And actually, what's, what I wanted to, I don't know if this is the time to just it. bring it up,
2: but... Um, Never a better time. Never a <laughs> better time. In fact, likely you won't even get a time like this again to bring it up. Right, right. He's, so still, then, he's
0: emotionally still driving home from Gelson's. It's all good.
2: <laughs> no, I'm emotionally still looking down at those uh, the coral there with the little fish in, in, in Hawaii. Hawaii oh, right?
3: anyway, go ahead. Uh, go ahead.
4: Well, Ken had um, been on the show for a little bit, and he proposed writing a part for me that was based on me, and um, I think initially it was even called Camilla, and it was a um, a love interest for Jason Priestley, and it was going to be a sort of a good arc. And um, at that time, I had been doing mostly features, Born in East LA, and you know, sort of sticking with movies and. So this was supposed to be like this arc for me. And I remember uh, I was called and told that there was a formality before um, my deal would be finished. And it was to go in and see Mr. Spelling. Who called you?
2: Who called you? Tony Shepard?
4: I don't know at this well, point, certainly. My certainly. agent, certainly. My agent yeah. told me, you know, that I had to go. Were you, represented?
2: Formality. were you
4: represented by the back then? Do you remember? I don't. It could have been the agency. Okay. Remember the, the or it could have been um, the gauge group. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. But in any case, I went in to meet Aaron spelling and and this formality ended up being, hmm, not so much. And, and it was so painful because so much of the part had very specific things about me in it. And it, it just, and, and I remember um, being told that they didn't feel good about an interracial relationship for Jason Priestley. Um, and that was something that occurred to me over and over again in my <clears> career. At that time where I would be either booked or sort of booked and then something would happen where either the other actor wasn't comfortable with it or the studio wasn't or whoever wasn't. And so this was one of those cases. So I ended up with this part, not to say as a consolation prize, but certainly it was just one episode um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, oh, it's
2: an inter- I know and it's an interesting story for me to hear all these years later, because we just heard a similar story from David Gale, who had a recurring part had two different roles about being called in and talking to Aaron about what his part was going to be and what was that. And the big mistake that your agents made, and this is no disrespect to Mr. Spelling, Mr. Spelling didn't run the show. I ran the show. So when Mr. Biller had his story, again, he's there because of his relationship with Chris Brancato. And Chris and I knew each other because we excuse me, I'm just gonna It happens. It happens. I'm just doing the podcast. I'm just gonna hang up. Mom will call you back. <laughs> Love you. Um <laughs> I leave I leave it in too on the audio. <laughs> Best part. But that what you know, Brancato time. and I, you know, I um there was a nine hundred two hundred was an awesome was big responsibility a lot of work to get done best times to get work done was Saturdays and Sundays because the phone didn't ring and I was in almost every Saturday and Sunday at certain point of that day I'm going to be in that office for a long period of time Chris Brancato was in his office as the as the head writer uh, and the only writers there was a lot of top heavy producers on another show called Hearts Are Wild as he used to call it Hearts Are Mild. It was a CBS show, but I really gained uh, respect for his work ethic, and I really liked him, knew him, and as they say, the two guys came there. Now, um, you know, I I have no... uh, I remember meeting you and really liking you in Paul Wagner's office. And I think Jessica was probably there. Jessica Klein, her husband, late husband. Yes. I mean, we were the core team putting together what we were going to do. But um, the disadvantage, I don't know what went on in the other, because it wasn't privy to me and it wasn't really following what was going to be happening with the narratives. Me running the show and being the head writer, what We found was this delightful young actress who was playing stuff with Brian Austin Green, Dana Barron, and she was like, oh, wouldn't that be cute? The younger girl, the younger girl spoke to me because when I was a senior and vice president of the school and all of that, younger girls liked me. And you know there were statutory issues, and I don't want to. We, we we couldn't get into that kind of spe- specificity with Brandon Walsh, but there you know was was on my head. So so I honestly never took you. And, and this is I I don't know how this fits into any of your your thinking here, but you know and 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 because I realize it, and I don't forgive them for having whatever the, the the specific part of the conversation with you, if it was especially if it was brutal. And they could be pretty blunt sometimes. And Mr. Spelling, I don't think, when Mr. Spelling spoke about race, I don't often think he did it with malice. I don't either.
4: You know what I think, Chuck? I think that at that time, uh, there was consensus in Hollywood that if you had too many leads that were brown or black or anything but... all-American, number one, it wouldn't work in syndication. Number two, it wouldn't work overseas. So these people were seeing it. you have
2: the the right. You're absolutely right. You you are absolutely right. And it's one of the things I don't like about it and didn't like about it is that the the thinking was always transactional. That is now now it's more creative. In fact, I'm really happy to see you back. You look great. And the fact of the matter is is that is that there's, there's more so many more opportunities because it's this, so different. This, uh, the world of compare. broadcasting now is niche casting and this and you fit into so much. But back then, yeah, there was these 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 strictures and you just butted and you just rammed against and tried to poke a hole and, and come through. Um, so I but but as personally I had already done the story in something called East Side Story. With, right. Somebody
3: um, asked about this. Yeah. Right. And and
2: because of that, I uh, got to win an Imagine a special an Imagine Award, and I because one of our actresses uh, who was who's on Nine or Two in the first year submitted us. I didn't even know what the organization was, and I was really happy to be there. But I remember I, I'm saying this roundabout story for your benefit, uh, Camilla, because I remember Jimmy Smiths being mm-hmm. up there some saying someday you advertisers are going to really need us. Where are the fastest going is demographic of this and presaged all of those conversations. Absolutely. And, and so you can think of all the different shows that have come around that are, you know, much more diverse. And uh, uh, I think of a, a lot of a- shows on ABC particularly come to mind. Carol, um,
0: I have a question. If, if I'm curious, did you <laughs> make sense of that when you were in Aaron Spelling's office of uh, that there was some kind of like, mm, I don't know if you're going to, if, if no. there's some comfort with you being the girlfriend of our white leading man? No, not at all. He was just lovely. No, um, mm-hmm. it really. it,
4: And and honestly, I find it hard to litigate um, what happened 30 years ago. Uh, it was a different time. There were different sort of consensuses, as I said. And I think people truly believed that if you put a black person or if you had a latino person kissing a white person it would turn off advertisers and they may actually have been correct so i i don't know i i didn't feel that it was personal but it was painful
2: painful and absolutely I, you know i really want to jump in on this because it was painful to me and and really doing these podcasts i've i've relearned so much about you know what was the show what was working what was it the, and I get the ratings on one of these things they break down. And what was this And you know, Ashes to Ashes, which was about a a, a black family moving across the street from the Walsh's that was a mirror of their family. Um, lowest rating we got. Mm. Uh, East Side Story, one of the lowest ratings we got. You know, any time that we strayed out of the... Uh, uh, you know the 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 expected stuff to deal with issues pertaining to race, an episode that would uh, almost all of them except for uh, Pete, except for Home and Away, right? Uh, we written by Chip Johansson about a football game that gets canceled was based oh, on true story that we did down the line on on this, but I'm sorry you went through all of that, and I just as I say I have no recollection, so I think that Ken, uh, if he was leading it, he 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 took it into to Aaron and it was their conversation. Uh, he was very close to Gary Randall who became was the new president of, of spelling. So that was really out of my purview. Yeah. Go ahead, come on. Mm-hmm.
4: No, no, I just I just feel like it's a, a whole new world and it's so beautiful to walk into a space where not only do the casting say, you know, are completely colorblind, they're blind. They're disability blind. They're blind in every way, and it's it's honestly it's remarkable. And um, I just I'm so happy for actors now um, to be able to to just be who they are. I remember Jimmy's another sort of Ivy League Latino that was stuck in this sort of the ghettoization and the marginalization of the of our community and. And he, st- you know, many of us had to go through that, but him in particular, um, truly a very, very well trained actor, um, highly educated, et cetera. But that that the that character um, really did not exist. Like I, I remember, one year alone, I played eight Marias. Um, you know, it was really it just. And so I think I think looking at things now, I'm just. Um, I feel really proud of us as a community. I feel like we really do stand for something. And once we, something is pointed out to us, we do respond. Like Me Too, for instance, now Me Too has evolved to be just poor behavior, abusive behavior, regardless of whether it's sexual or not, which is another thing that we put up with vastly from not only from executives and producers and directors, but also from actors. And that not putting up with that anymore is a great step in the right direction for our our business. So I I just feel proud. to. And also, I've had the privilege of working with Gabrielle Carteris, president of the Screen Actors Guild, who is has been an amazing president. And she signed on to the Equal Rights Amendment lawsuit. And so, you know, I just feel like as an industry, we really have come such a long way and in such a good way since that episode
3: it is good to see that things are changing for the better in so many ways um i i want to ask you though about coming on set and working on this episode i mean you so you kind of come into it thinking you're going to do one thing something else happens and now you're 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 an actor so you're gonna play the part that they give you and it's the reporter right yes. so walk me through what it was like being on set at 90210 in that time I think I don't think there's a secret Charles but wow. there was probably some tension on set at that at that particular time is that fair
2: well for me I'd, I'd love to hear if Jessica you know in her position of, of um, interviewing them and knowing them in that capacity if she felt any of this or any of this leak through but you know as we've discussed when we started with the triangle in the summer episodes uh Shannon was not happy about the the direction the series was taking so now we're back it's two episodes back and yeah. and there they are and they're supposed to be Kelly is clearly uncomfortable with what the transgression and and there's and Brenda's picking that up and Brenda is still uh you know we got the smoking which is a whole other uh, aspect of the conversation will pick up but um, it was the tension that, there was real tension because the the, the roles were shifting the the, the storyline what w- was going to be going a different way. We knew at a certain point that he was going to be there for Kelly. the question was then would he come back to Brenda? but this is way down the road this is they don't know where the story is going this and it was that I think that indecision and that no, uh, they, they see indecision, decision, but really the 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 fact that it was it was being formed <laughs> as a work in progress uh, was a little unsettling for um, the actresses.
0: It was also just to contextualize it. I mean, coming this soon after the summer episodes, where like the show just like. Took off in a way that it hadn't. Like people were just. It went from being like, okay, I love this show, to like, ah, like it was just insane. Totally different level. Yeah. But I feel like what went along with that was more eyes on them, more scrutiny. So like you deal you you're simultaneously dealing with that pressure and the I don't know the emotional heft that that brings to a young cast, and you know to deal with that, and then also yeah storyline that wasn't necessarily that um I don't know that that just glowing toward the Brenda character or that she felt was something that that put her character in the best light if mean, she sort of like doesn't really know what's going on she goes against, I mean, in this episode, she goes against what Brandon tells her to do. Like, forget about the smoking and the judgment, you know, that goes along with that and the like tisk tisking, you know, throughout this episode. But also she's like the kind of like, you know, quote unquote nagging girlfriend telling Dylan to take his SATs and stuff. And so I think she was sort of like, what? how did this happen? How did I become the one on the outs when it was like, Brenda and Dylan and now all of a sudden the hierarchy shifted a little bit.
3: Kamala, did you sense any... Wow,
4: that's so trippy because I'll tell you (laughs) it's so trippy. I knew zero none of that. Here's what I knew. People were scared for me. Okay? People were terrified for me and I got so many effing calls from producers going, Cam be cool. Just be cool. And I was like, be cool. I, you know, what, what, what am I going into a bear fight? You know, like, uh, no. And then, and then I remember, and I guess it wasn't you, but some producer that wasn't Ken or Chris obviously called me and said, look, um, here's what you're going to do about Shannon. Um, just don't look at her. Don't talk to her and just stay out of her way. And I was like,
2: I can do that. Mm. I I would think that, you know, no, I didn't, I wouldn't, well, let me say this way. I wouldn't say that to you as the actress, as a producer to an actress, most likely. But what um, I lived decreed by my show was the same thing. Don't look her in the eye. Stay a little farther away. That's how I ran my. De- Sorry, Brenda fans. That's how I. The, you know, at that period of time, It was like a bear, was, like dealing a with a wild animal. It, uh, yeah, but I think it was sounds to me, Pete, and and it just it was more. And you know, Larry, you'll come on if you will listen on this later. Um, it like Paul. I mean, Paul would be one that would just say that that. You know, that because stuff was going on, it was stuff going on, and I think that you also got affected. Did you did you, you relook really at this episode? Uh to to, yeah, know, I to yeah, I to, watched. did. Yeah, I was tell me about what you thought about your hair and your wardrobe.
4: Please, Louise. So I got a wardrobe <laughs> right. story for you guys. Okay, but first of all, what I do want to say before all of this, before I even get into the wardrobe story, is that it's not easy being an actress in this town. It's not easy being put under the kind of pressure you're put on with your weight, which at that time was insane. Yeah. The heaviest girl on that set weighed 102 pounds and they called her fat. And that was Jenny Garth's character. One of the characters weighed in at 89. So mm. we, had a situ- we had a situation with the actresses, right, from, a- from an internal psychological perspective. So I will not... Um, I will not throw shade on any of them for what they were going through. Sure, but, but I will say this: when <laughs> I went to my fitting, um, the one of the wardrobe people was kind of like grumpy, and I was kind of looking through it, going, "Wow, you know, she seems a little grumpy." But you know, I don't know. Like, what do I know? I'm not the wardrobe person. And the the ladies uh, told me that every single one of the other actresses, save Um, Gabrielle Carteris, the three, uh, Tori, Shannon, and um, Jenny, all went through my rack and removed anything that they liked.
3: Wow. Mm.
4: So by the time I got there, it was kind of like, you gonna wear this purple sack and put belt around (laughs) it. And then we go put your hair in a little boop-de-boop here. And then, like, I was like, okay, you know, but you don't want to, like, when you're already, like, dude, you're doing, you're doing a job, you want to do the best job you can, you're dealing with all these factors, they had eight security, it was like the Beatles, they would come out of the trailer, there were masses, hundreds of screaming people, they would be surrounded by security guards and moved from the trailer to the other whatever tiny little space that we were in, like that weird video room, which was so tiny. Oh my God. And, and so it was such, so intense. The whole thing was so intense Um, that, I mean, all you want to do is just make it through the scene, not upset, you know, like hit your marks, do your best and not be part of the effing problem. Get out of there and not have been just one more thing for Chuck Rosen to remember in 2021 that made his life more of a fucking hell than it already
2: was. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yes that sums it up that sums it up for me i love it <laughs> poor well, karen, look karen. What walked in on
3: karen walked in on something yeah how are you karen rosen's I, the writer of this episode she's obviously uh related to charles rosen
2: <laughs> He asked me am i resting my face you mean my uh no i didn't nothing? i said your resting face oh oh
3: <laughs> um but that's Fascinating stuff, Karen. You just watched
5: the episode moments I ago. I
2: did, I just <laughs> watched so it. you're hot off the presses. You're the first
5: take. What do hot you think? Wait, right. I saw in the comments some of the fans were saying, Excuse me, I'm sorry, is it Kamala? Like, Kamala? yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, you have a great name, <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: a great it's, name it's my, name. my grandma's name.
5: Oh, well, and they were saying that you. Looked like you had more beautiful even than before. I mean, it was oh, yeah. almost 30 years ago.
2: Was it really? Was it really?
5: Yeah. Uh, so,
2: 1992, it said. So, yeah. Yeah. It so yeah. I mean, yeah.
5: you look gorgeous. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So yeah. Nice, yeah. nice to see you. In this, and I was listening also. I was listening with one ear to the program and one ear to you guys. And um, it's a good thing I did watch it because this was one of those episodes that – um. I think Chuck behind the scenes really outlined this episode for me. I, I, think, I, I think I came in with this one with uh, more with just the dialogue, actually. Um, well, you
2: know, my favorite part of it was, and it was so Karen, and what she's saying is, is true because we, we were having to lay in what was going to be going on with the legacy key. And we're not going to really talk about that in, in this podcast with the the beginning of Steve Sanders having the master key to the Beverly Hills High School, West Beverly Hills. Right? How that, How that connects to real life? A lot of fun things, and the arc starts here. But we needed that arc in, so I'm saying to the writer, "You're going to have this scene. You're going to have this scene. You're going to have this yeah, scene." No, there was a lot and, of
5: that, and, 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 and then, you know, you saw how that the the, the stories intertwined pretty seamlessly. That's his specialty, you know. Uh, you know, and um, and I was I was focusing more on the smoking story, but. Uh,
2: well that was I was saying that was more our life, Karen. We were smoking. Any time Karen, who was a actress in her before she was the writer and as the student, anytime we'd go somewhere and see a show of people in what you know in in community theater here in LA, or professional we'd be with the actors afterwards she'd want a cigarette so bad it would it would come back to it and it, and it had been that and me too, as I was saying, started out by talking about the whole. California Surfer with the Cigarette thing. Right? Wait,
5: can I just say something? I want to say hello to Jessica.
1: Hi.
5: Hi. Nice to see you. You're and come, um, you were enjoying those cigarettes so much. Um, and it does. It makes you want to have one if you're a, a, a smoking addict, you know, which we kind of were. We both quit. We both had quit because we were entering childbearing years, you know, and so there was, you know, I, I quit many times before that, but then really quit but on the show Mr. Rosen was sneaking them mm-hmm. well, everybody the the, the the
2: can't remember this that we were a hot bet. we were a, a nicotine uh, the anti nicotine oh, zone. Yeah. I mean I was all, me all, all, all. saying I don't I don't being... like
5: I don't go with smokers cuz he was he was a smoker today, everybody
4: wasn't. was smoking you know why yeah. let me just roll it back 5 minutes everybody weighed on the female right. side Between 102 and 89 pounds. Now, that doesn't maintain itself. You can't do that. And Mm -hmm. the guys, too, I don't want to be sexist here because the guys, they're Look at their little legs. They how skinny they had to be at that time. Yeah, <laughs> no. I remember Brian smoking.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't, don't
4: know. Uh, all I know is no.
0: a lot of smoke.
4: Or Brian, I, don't I never, never
2: smoked smoke. Brian. Brian May have for a while. I don't think Tori smoked much, if at all. But yeah.
0: Was, oh my I God. Mean,
2: someone I mean, would so oh, up if she
0: did. I don't know. I don't remember who exactly
4: did or who didn't. But I mean, even in Hollywood in general, one of the main diets of actresses was just you know smoking.
5: Well, Aaron Spilling had in his in his office little containers with cigarettes in them, like it could have hard candies or something or Hershey's Kisses. He had, to, in fact, uh, Luke used to talk about uh, that at, when he came in for his audition, and he took the yeah, cigarette
2: 1990, out nineteen ninety. And 1990 was pretty late in the game to still be doing that. That wasn't what was, you know, cigarettes it has been shunned by that point, at least officially in the corporate world. You didn't go into a meeting at ABC to pitch something and light up a cigarette. It didn't happen, you know. How did but, you
0: guys decide on what the the pack would look like? Because obviously you weren't going to be able to use like Marlboros or right. whatever it is. It was suggestive of
5: Marlboros, one. right? Yeah, it was a Marley. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: brandy, right. I think you see that if you go back to this era of television, or maybe all eras, you just you could just see that they're just doing you know eighty five percent of a logo, but not the the logo itself. Right. So they can put the remnants around it, but you can't say, well, like, this is exactly this. You, you get some latitude, you know. It's so- like the
5: 555 phone number. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that. what I thought about, my take on the smoking part of it, which, um, you know, we started in France before. We started with her having cigarettes in Paris, which you kind of tend to do. And then... Um, many of the things i i feel like there was a missing ending maybe for the smoking um plot because um we have brandon saying if you can get through this you can get through anything if you feel this bad and you resist the urge and that's kind of how one of my times that i quit (laughs) i was in the hospital probably with a with a very ill parent you know and that's when you kind of want it and you just go no if i can get through this one hard time you know if you're trying to quit and you've Call them off, and then you can. So there were a lot of tips there uh, for <coughs> how smokers don't think they smell, but they smell. You know. Yes, and-
4: I love the part where she had brushed her teeth, and she. You always think you're you're so golden. Right. And exactly. She's like you know what, honey, I can taste the exactly right
5: through it. That you're was close. reek, I used to say that to Chuck, in fact, I'd say, you come home, and he would sneak them there at the set, and I'd say, mm, you smell like cigarettes, your shirt. And he goes, oh, there was many people smoking around me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly what, what happened.
2: But so, the truth and, uh, was that, but as you know, the truth was there were many people smoking around me because Paul
5: right. and, and it is hard. You know, I didn't have Jessica, an smoking, background right? and that's, a, theater people do smoke quite a bit too, you know, or did, did, formerly. Formerly. Yeah, now. yeah, And very hard. In fact, we just were on an airplane uh for five hours and um my and we were marking how we used to smoke in planes. They used to allow smoking in planes, which is And my thirty-two year old daughter couldn't it believe it. Yeah, she could not believe it. She said, Did you ever go on a plane where there was smoking? And we're like, Yeah, and we smoked also and I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I sat in a plane with that happening. It's, it's. There's it's a whole gone.
2: generation growing up that doesn't realize that if you want the subway to come, you light up the cigarette, and the subway will be there in a moment. Am I right, Jessica? Or in a restaurant, oh, you restaurant. light up, and
5: the meal will arrive.
2: <laughs> and then the salad comes. You light up, yeah. and then there's a salad. <laughs> exactly. you only way to you cut work uh, the way it worked.
4: And if an know. actor wants to book a job, all they have to do is buy a non-refundable plane ticket.
3: Camilla, <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you back to the stuff you were talking about with Shannon. Um, then you do get to set and you are working. You have a lot of scenes with her. So you're going to be yeah. working a lot. Um, what was it like going from what you were warned about and then actually working with her?
4: So she was absolutely very nice to me. I didn't have any problems working with Shannon. She had a lot of problems with the cameraman and some of the people on the crew because she felt like a lot of, this is just my perspective on it. She felt like she was always waiting around for them. She would like get to set and it wouldn't be right. And then they would be trying to kind of figure it out and then the first few takes, like I remember, in the tiny, the tiny little room where there was the editing and da da, da That was actually a real. That was not a lose one wall kind of a thing. That was a real space that was very small, and it was the director wanted to do a oneer, you know, he wanted the whole thing in in one, and um, I just remember. It was a hard shot to get focus on. And it was just a hard shot to make, right? Because there, we people were also moving. Um, and she said, you have one attempt to get this right. And if you don't, I'm walking off the set. And so that made everybody feel kind of scared because it was kind of hard. And I know, and I think no, that, it
2: was
1: it's yeah. fun. Anyway,
4: anyway, so that that I sensed that she was adamant about some things in the same way that maybe Christian Bale was adamant that people shouldn't stand in his fucking light. And I understand that it's not cool. But I also as an actor, I understand it because you're there 18 hour days and you're whatever and you're really trying to bring it. And then other people, it's it's kind of a different job. Like you can kind of be like joking around and having a good time and like seeing what works. And then boom, then suddenly all eyes are on the actor and they can't be joking around or whatever, that whatever. And if they don't pull it off in that exact second, everybody's like, wow, that actor really sucks. They don't know. Um, so I think for actors, when they get to a certain point, they expect the crew to, you know, work with second team and get their, get their focus and get their lighting the way they want it so that when you do get there and bring it, um, not that you can't do multiple takes. Of course you can, but it would be
2: oh, nice. Camela, you know, I got to stop you. She wanted the one take so she could go clubbing. That was the life I lived with the actor. Right. Really, on. I yeah.
4: didn't know. I don't know. Yeah.
2: About, that was but, that was who she was. But your director was was an, a former first AD who she would intimidate by giving an ultimatum. Bullshit. Well, a, no, no, I, no. I, 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 I want to be
3: Kamala's best best BFF.
2: That's uh, what thank I mean. you.
4: <laughs> well, Chuck, I'm not. I'm not. Um, no, I'm just saying. I'm just.
2: I'm just skating. looking at Shannon' use of power right then. And and it's you know it 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 it's what and you got to observe it and you expressed it really well. But that's what was going on. She was she was mad at our television show. She did not want to be there right then. We had broken up that old gang of hers. We had created a different pyramid. We didn't even know where we were going. But that's what we did. And she and you saw what you're describing. And and Brad Gross, you know, even though we kind of are the buddies we once were he was my closest friend. And so, you know, oftentimes people would, uh, was she getting mad at him to get back to me is not out of the question. But, to, but, you know, the other thing that was going on that you should know is that this was our first union crew. This was our first, we were a non-union show for two years and we had stepped in. So Karen, this is root. Ru- this is Rick Gunther. Rick Gunther was one of them had, had won numerous Emmys for, um, Uh, Saying Elsewhere. And what he did for spelling saved them uh, and us as the production unit hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars by the way he knew how to pre-light sets. So they're putting up lights. They're getting used to it. This is only the second time that this crew has been on our uh, glorified warehouses. So you know, I'm just saying I and this is no offense to to anything, because this is 30 years ago. This is just what was going on at that moment in that time and space. It has nothing to do really in 2021 20, at all. But it's a it was a uh, it was a tough time to be doing our show spite right up and every element of it. You know, I could go through every single episode and at some place there was drama. Uh, you know, I used to sing this little ditty in my head. What do you know about 90210? You know, do you know about this? Do you know about that? Do you know about... Because everyone was like that. Everyone had that quality to it. Do you,
0: think because Every- of that drama, do, do you think because of that drama, there was... Was there any, like, Karen, as you were writing, was it like... Oh my god, this is going to be a relief because we can do a whole bunch of scenes that are not with this core group and we can splinter them a little bit and was that
5: something that felt like a relief to the writers and producers? Not for me. I didn't I didn't feel that, but um but you know, I was I was lying in the next to mr rosen when the phone rang in the morning (laughs) with a complaint because he'd ordered a reshoot of uh, of a scene that that was in and she had she had um redone her makeup completely from what makeup did and and her and her wardrobe she had done it herself and she looked inappropriate let's say for the character at the time and so he said we got to redo this one so she called up really mad in the morning, and and I know she had actually had a lot of respect for Chuck, I think, and and did like the writing, but at this moment she was pissed off, so she was, she lashed out, you know, like a youngster, and she was a youngster. Let's face it, you know, no, I, I, I respect too. for you as a as a producer, as a writer, as a man. You know, and that so it was there was drama like that that I that I perceived as just behind the scenes there. But she was a great. She, how beautiful did she look in this episode? She yeah. looks so incredible. terrific. And,
3: and when she and she's in scenes, she's uh she's incredible. She's such a talent. Really good. Actor, she's terrific. You know, That's I mean, good. so really so is. It, she is always able to bring something very special to Brenda Walsh, mm-hmm. and it is because of that. You know, when the stuff happens later on with Dylan and the reveal and all that stuff. I think a lot of people, you know, sympathize with the, with her because, she, because of what she brings to that character. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about stuff. I always like to remind when this comes up, we're talking about stuff from a very, very long time ago. But it is, it is a truth, and it's important to talk about that. I think we're all about that these days. And if we're going to do a podcast about the stories of 90210, they, they have to be included in, in the podcast for sure. Um, I had a chance to talk to, this is like left field now, but I had a chance sure. to talk to uh, to Dana Barron, who was Nikki Witt. She, she was having some uh, video problems, so she did an audio interview with me. But I asked her a couple of questions. I'm just going to play one of the clips. This is her about uh, about talking with uh, or acting with Jason Priestley.
1: He's always very easygoing, and, you know, you get in there like, oh, just say this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do it this way. She's like, oh you're a real actress, huh? You know, it's like, because I was taking it really, really seriously. Coming from New York, Broadway background, blah, 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 blah. So, um, no, he was just fun and lighthearted and jovial. And it was, it was nice to be able to work with someone like that. I remember, I think, before we had our funny little trivia, before we had our kissing scenes, we you know he'd always spray Banaka blast. So I was like, oh, here comes the <laughs> you know. I think funny in that episode, it, you know, obviously uh, her smoking and that huge scenes with her having to cover up her breath. And I went, oh, that was so funny because that was Jason's thing. Um, <laughs> just to make sure you're comfortable when he kisses you. So it's very considerate in a way, but it was just funny for me to, you know, getting getting riding the wave of that incredible show i mean you jump into there it's already working it's moving they have all their things down and you have to come in and kind of ride the wave so it was a great adventure that way
3: and I have a lot more cool things that uh, Dana said, and that's going to be available on the Patreon, and eventually will be available for everybody at some point. Um, Chuck, there's a lot of other things happening in this episode. Uh, they're they're prepping for SAT, which is sort of you know why we why everybody's got a lot of stress going on, right? Um, talk to me about scan. What is it? Scan discard. I forgot it already. <laughs> scan discard select and move on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. That is so vintage, Karen. There, you know, believe me. Uh, the I, I must have, been,
5: must have been. I didn't take the prep course for the SATs. I just right. you just it. started that comment, Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from, but I think that was, uh, you know, our kids were little at the time, so it couldn't have been from from that end of it. But uh, we did a little research, yeah. But yeah, you know that again. That's a a first world problem, too. SAT stress, you know,
0: it's a great yeah, you know, it moment in the script. I will, oh. I love the you know,
5: when Donna says it, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah, oh, when
3: Donna yeah. says it to Brenda later on, it's just like it's so awesome. I'm like, that's such a great line, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and
2: you know, I was thinking watching it today, we talked about how different the times are in this. Um, the University of California no longer takes the SAT, so as a factor in so they there you go how far you know how important it was in central to life and then it had its own foibles and uh and now something is replacing it so the other thing
3: i want to get into with this episode is the backstory show itself um the sort of current affair thing um what is it based on charles and and, and talk to me about that. And well, I know, Kennedy. Like, I know you have some opinions about that as well, about the way it looks and all that stuff. All these years later, but Charles, start with you.
2: Well, it really uh, came out of um, the TV show that was on Fox at seven o'clock every night, called A Current Affair, and it was a uh, video tabloid. You know, a nightly, you know, edgy kind of Rupert Murdochery kind of show. And Murdoch. I don't you know. know he's it ever said his, that or his his production company that was doing it, and and um, the host was Bill O'Reilly, and there was a period of time, especially as we're talking about young Shannon, having to deal with the fact that the world was going to be changing narratively on nine hundred two stepping out and being a young person in Hollywood and having this old curmudgeon, critic. Criticizing her every move—that would happen. It was almost like there was that you know it was like a precursor to, um, you know, the one that uh, is yeah, on Lindsay the, Lohan. Uh, oh, yeah. But also, I was just thinking of you know the show that's on Fox, all the uh, TMZ. TMZ. It was a oh, precursor um. to that. It was it was a mean-spirited. When it came to Hollywood, it was very judgmental about Hollywood. That that's you know, and that was part of O'Reilly's stock and trade as he moved up the ladder. At Fox uh, News, but uh, and so I, I deeply resented that, you know, and that you know moral tone and that how they shifted things around. I saw it with Us Magazine, um, you know, it was when when uh, Bonnie took over, it was you know they would we're going to come to the set and be your friends and then slam. That was not what was going to be happening. So it was you know, I, I, so I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder relative to that, and I could see them. You know, trying to distort the image of Beverly Hills, because whenever there was a any like, of course, I was in high school in a different era. But whenever there was like political unrest in the city of Los Angeles having to do with certainly the anti-war movement, they would come to Beverly Hills High School. They were interested in the image of Beverly Hills. So this was the kind of news story they would do. And that uh, Samantha Sanders, you know, connection there, they, they would look for stuff like that. And, and it was uh, so, you know, we had that. And so to mix the two, uh, do I honestly think that your character would, uh, Kamala, but it would have been so um, naive to think that she could do uh, a better form of journalism. And also, this is the one scene I did like what you had on, by the way. I, I don't think really that it. negative on anything else, but I thought it really highlights... You know your design. Right. Oh, we were you talking about that
5: gigantic red jacket
2: she had? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we were talking about her. Her red, you know,
5: yeah, these kind of oh, the big, purple sack. I see. What were you wearing, Halstead? No, I don't. I don't mind.
4: I, I, I didn't mind my wardrobe, frankly, that yeah. much.
3: There she is. Okay. Uh, but you had some opinions on this, Kamala, uh, in terms of how you know, hey, you know.
4: Yeah. Well, looking looking through the lens of today, uh, back at what is what would be seen as a horribly exploitative story um, where the person feels guilt and um, has sort of ethical tugs about whether or not. Now, cut to today. If you're not self-exploiting and really sort of building that self-exploitation up to a brand, a billion-dollar Uh, brand, then you're some kind of an idiot. And so how quickly have we gone from, and I don't think any feminist from the seventies could have looked at what we took as female liberation. And I blame the ad agencies really for twisting what female liberation was back on on us and us buying into it. So now what we think is liberating The guys are like, yeah, seems kind of liberating to me, sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what the hell is going on with women now that that's what, that, that this model, and again, I'm not picking on anybody in particular because I think the social forces tell women that the main thing they're valuable for is their body and their looks, so if they don't commodify that, they're some kind of idiot, started kind of with Madonna, but moved into now this... Kardashian realm, which is sort of taking self-exploitation to the hyper-real. And so for me, looking at this episode, I thought, wow, wouldn't it have been nice if we had gone that direction, if we had, as a community, sort of looked at it and said, it's not nice to exploit one another uh, like this. And there are other things that, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, naive is a word that's been used to describe me many times. So, but <laughs> I,
0: one of the things I thought was interesting, I was saying this right before uh, to Pete and Kamala, like I thought it was so interesting. Even and, and certainly, I mean, I think maybe there's a there is, and maybe you disagree, Kamala, but that, to me, there's I see a slight difference with who's telling the story. If the woman is telling her story versus if you know a, a, a quote unquote news show or tabloid show is telling the story on behalf of that woman. But but it's so interesting to me that the language that was totally okay. And like, Karen, this is not a slam on you on any level. This was on every show, you know, that it was like at that point, totally okay for a tabloid show, uh, which you were accurately depicting what was going on to talk about a high school girl being loose and stuff like that. And you watch that now with your, 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 you know, your 2021 eyes. It's like, Oh my God, that was, that that could have aired on TV. I yeah. mean, on, you know, or on
2: a current affair or a kind of show like that.
3: Or Inside Edition, someone said, is the name of the show we're all thinking of.
2: Now, today, yeah. Well, yeah, I said, it's kind of that insidious, kind of mean, kind of insidious the, the stuff and kind of irrelevant too, really, largely. But it is the <laughs> way to get uh, the attention. It's, it's a, you know, we, you know, sometimes we, when we go to bed, you know, you gotta say, okay, what's on the local news? And, you know, you just it's still if it leads, it bleeds. I was studied to be a reporter. You know this, Jessica. I think that I and I just I did not like it. It would it changed dramatically. Uh, at least television journalism, broadcast journalism, changed from a profession to an industry right in front of my eyes. And I went no, no. And really, what caused that to happen was the success of sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was money to be made in Emdar Hills, and and everything has been always. If there's money to be made there. The right. the uh, funders, the lenders will follow. The, the the money will follow.
3: I saw a comment here, Katie. Uh, Brazier says, Kamala Lopez is a wonderful, articulate woman. She is smart and beautiful. I highly recommend reading this book. It's compelling and eye-opening, and there's the link. She said the book. So there you go. Oh, wow, wonderful. I wanted to plug that. Wow. In regards to the Shannon thing, Zara writes a comment here. It's a little bit long-winded, but I'm going to read it and just get your all your thoughts on this. Um, and I think it's fair to read this. Uh, she says that, uh, she's talking to someone else in the chat, but she says that uh, Shannon's late father was sick and. 1992 she had a lot to deal with uh that fact he had cancer she went through a lot i'm not suggesting that she should get privileges because she's the star of the show i am saying she is human people react to situations differently and the media twist is around claiming shannon's behavior she isn't a villain luke also said that shannon's been thrown under the bus give it a break she's human like the rest of us so i think it's fair to say that she's human for sure uh do you guys have any thoughts on that on Zara's comment, I just wanted to make sure I aired that side of the story. Unlike, up, you know, wait,
2: Phil just put Ryan. it up. Yeah, put it up. <laughs> he put it up again one more time. I really love Zara, and he says it, but I'm not just. Well, yes, she. You are suggesting she should get. Per, it, it's a professional venture. I know you. You know the feelings come into it, and and people's feelings like that. But as long as one can, you know, the stresses of life is is really what's hard. Yes, it, it, we all have that, and the thing about show people is, whether there's no people like show people, they smile when they're blue. The you, the show goes on. It's, right. it, it is. It is the. It is what we sign. It's what actors in the community sign up for, right? Karen and Kamala. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, they, when that gets breached for whatever reason, it's a cause of concern. Sure. And no one's saying the other, but it is. You know, this is. Um, if you're looking, you know, you're, you're looking at a at a, again, a different world, different lens from today than what was the lens of, of 1992, or how what people respect expected from each other and how they treated each other and what was the norm and what wasn't.
3: Yeah, absolutely, um, and I think we've kind of covered all of the things that are happening in this episode. I know we wanted to talk about Nikki a little bit more, um, but. And I have a couple of more clips. I wanted to just play her clip here talking about uh, whether or not she felt uh, intimidated on the set. So here's that. Well,
1: I was definitely, like I said, I kind of understood, started to understand the overwhelming popularity of the show. Um, I, because I know two people, I guess getting to know all the other people was always a challenge because they don't know you and the other people do. So it's always a little bit like, huh? You Know, mm-hmm. but no, it, it, it was intense just to be able to make sure the quality of the character was always there for the show and to make it fun and to be part of the show because she wasn't really Beverly Hills, but she was, and you know, it's like a little bit here and there. So it wasn't, I wanted to be able to make sure I fit in with everybody, but yet be myself because Nikki Witt was such a free spirit.
3: So it was more about the character for her. really good stuff here. Hey Jessica Shaw, I'm curious I don't know why I said your full name like that but hey Jessica <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm curious for you watching this episode back. Um, you were a report you are were a reporter <laughs> obviously <laughs> I would joked around with you a little bit about the tabloid stuff but did you have any strong feelings looking at this episode uh, from the other side of the story trying to get a, a story and making sure that you cover it the right way and, and sort and sort of all of that?
0: oh i mean yeah i think it ends just because i've been writing for so many years and i think there there are stories that i wrote years ago you know 20 years ago that i am not proud of today and it was interesting that comment that you had up on screen about shannon um a second ago i think many things can be true that maybe you know even as i look back with the perspective with perspective on things that i've written and things you know, things that i've read you know there a lot of things can exist at the same time she could have had I like a scrutiny that a lot of people did not have on them, especially as in the industry, especially, you know, with so many things that could have been true. And she could also have been calling Chuck up at 6 a.m. and cursing him out. You know, like those things can exist and did exist simultaneously. And it's not it's not a, you know, she should be vindicated or she's the devil kind of thing. Um, exactly. So, yes, and I I do think that, um, I don't know, I think maybe with with experience, uh, you know, and and age, you get to see more of the many things that exist in a story instead of just one, you know, linear picture of this is how it is. And I'm going to um, portray this, whatever it is, hour I spent with this person as the absolute indefensible truth.
3: Absolutely. Very well said. Um, well, I,
0: I do want to say one thing about
4: how lovely Jason Priestley and Luke Perry were to every guest mm-hmm. actor that came on, and me in particular, they really went out of their way. It almost was like they understood the, that it was a difficult set and that, that maybe some of us coming on might have been a little intimidated or whatever or frightened. And they just really went out to make you feel comfy and welcome. And I remember that so strongly because, you know, because I'm a feminist. So I was wanting to be friends with the girls, but the people that really came to me and and showed me love were were definitely the dudes.
3: Very true. We've heard like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, important conversations here on the show. I just want to thank you, Kamala, for coming on here and speaking about a lot of the things that you talked about here. I think it's so important to be having these conversations in the lens of nine hundred two one zero or or wherever. You know, it's a really important time, and the and this is and I'm just glad that your voice is out there doing what you're doing. I know that you have a documentary that you did and and the and the book that was referenced here. So just keep fighting the fight. And Charles is. You know, somebody who's fighting all kinds of fights for a, a long time, too. And Karen as well. And Jessica, I'm sure. And just much appreciation for you guys uh, doing that. So this was a great episode. I think we kind of covered uh, the, the backstory. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the backstory <of> the backstory. <laughs> certainly got the backstory of the backstory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, next week we will be back. We're going to talk with uh, Caroline uh Lagerfeld, who was uh, David's mom on the show, and she's going to be here. We're going to be covering a couple of those episodes, which were also a very important mental health issues thing, where they go to Portland to find her, and she's missing, and she's homeless, and a lot of uh, touching stuff happening there. So make sure you tune in next week as well. Um, This has been great. Charles and I are headed to a After Dark Zoom, and everyone else, we will see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.